very short passages of Scripture this morning. Um, if you've brought your Bible, great, but it'll probably be just too much just to keep going because they're very short um, and they will appear hopefully on the screen as well. From Genesis chapter 3, just verses 8 and 9. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and said, Where are you? In Genesis 4, verse 26, Seth also had a son and he named him Enosh. And at that time, people began to call on the name of the Lord. And from Micah, chapter 6, verse 8. He has shown you, O man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you, but to act justly and love mercy, and to walk humbly with your gods. And from Matthew 11, verse 28 to 30, from the message. Are we going too fast for you, Callum? Am I? Oh, was it? The Micah one. Mine was the right one. (laughs) This is from the message version. Jesus says, are you tired, worn out, burnt out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. And then John 15, verses 13 to 16. Greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants, because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything I learned from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit fruit that will last. Then the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Just some key things of scripture that I want you to take to heart this morning if you can remember them. Question God asks, where are you? Where are you? People began to call on the name of the Lord. What does God require of you but to walk humbly with him? In the invitation of Jesus to walk with him, keep company with him because he calls us friends. We've begun part of our vision series as uh, we've been going through this past year or so and we're praying for revival And I'm really kind of, if I can be, 
proud that as a church we have this as a vision statement, that we are praying for revival. That we're seeking God for something beyond the ever that we can do. We're not just praying that a few chairs will be filled or that we'll run out of space in the school. We're praying for an outpouring of God's Holy Spirit that we see thousands and thousands of people saved and that the revival will spread across the nations of the British Isles. That's what we're praying for, isn't it? Just here in this place, we're asking God for 10,000 souls. Just for a start, we're just asking 10,000 souls to be saved. Prayer in the life of any church is the barometer of the health of the church. It kind of measures the atmosphere within the life of a church. You can't just measure the life of a church on a Sunday morning. You have to measure it in the things that probably we cannot see, but God sees. And we have journeyed as a church And those of you who have been part of this church many years, just knowing that prayer has been the cornerstone of it. How God has revived the work here. The church did close. God opened it up again. It did get just to a few people. God blessed it. And we've been able to plant other churches and move forward. And we're seeking the more and more of God. Calling on the name of the Lord. And if we are to be a people who pray for revival, we have to be a people who realize the privilege of prayer. And that's my theme this morning, just the privilege of prayer. Prayer for many, most of us, myself included, remains a bit of a mystery. When a doctoral student at Princeton University in America asked one of his professors, What is there left in the world to do an original dissertation on? Albert Einstein replied, Go and find out about prayer, because somebody must find out about prayer. Albert Einstein. He was a clever man. Isn't it amazing that prayer is something some of the greatest human minds in the world cannot fathom? Yet a three-year-old child last week in our church in Sparklers had an amazing revelation that it is just walking with God and talking with God and listening to God. How fabulous is that, that three-year-old children can understand more than Albert Einstein. But we all relate to that. The more we learn about prayer, the less we know. But today I want to encourage all of us just into the simple thing that prayer is a privilege because we're made for it. You were made for prayer because you were made for a relationship with God. Being made in the image of God is having that in our DNA. God in himself is in relationship. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. We can't fathom it always, but it is true. That's how God reveals himself to us. We only know that we have a Father in heaven who loves us because Jesus came and told us. We know about the Holy Spirit because Jesus said, After me, I'll send you another like me, the Holy Spirit. 
And so we know God as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And they're in relationship together. And they submit to one another. And they love one another. And we were made in his image for relationship. Relationships with one another, but relationship with him. This is the incredible truth that God, the creator, the maker of the universe, made you in love and delights in us and longs for a relationship with us that is intimate and honest. I began the service just by quoting David when he said in that psalm, when I consider the heavens, the work of your fingers, what is man that you're mindful of him? And I... And I I understand what he's saying. I go out on a night sometimes. I look under the stars and it is amazing. What am I that you're mindful of me, God? That you would love me and care about my life. Hermie will tell you if, if you ask her that I love maps. I always loved geography at school. I wasn't good at school, but I love geography. And I love maps and I love globes and I can get lost in them. And, and I love going on Google Earth when the computer can cope. And, and just going from, from a, a, a sort of postcode out and then back again. It is amazing. Sorry. It is amazing though. <laughs> Haven't you ever tried it? And you've got to spare five minutes and, you know, just, just try it. It's amazing. And, you know, and I, in my mind I, I play with writing my address out in full, you know, Philip Deller and sometimes Reverend, if, if I'm feeling that I ought to. And then Baptist Mance, Backends, Chipping Camden, Gloucestershire, and then the postcode, England, the United Kingdom of Great Britain, Europe, Northern Hemisphere, planet Earth, the solar system, the Milky Way galaxy, the known universe, the heart of God, and I've run out of space on the envelope. Isn't that amazing? That's your address. It's where we live. It is fabulous. I do get excited about it, so do forgive me. God is awesome. And he invites us to keep company with him. How awesome is he? This is planet Earth. It's where we live. And all the, the world's goings on happens on this tiny blue planet. It is so tiny, though. Compared to the solar system, this isn't a picture of it because you can't take a picture like that. But isn't it amazing that we are planet Earth just in the right place? Not too near the sun, we'd all burn up. Not too far away, we'd all freeze. Even worse than we were this morning. <laughs> but that's just the solar system. That's not big at all. That's planet Earth in reference to the size of the sun. These are just the stars at night. Voyager 2, which is a space mission, left our solar system, traveling at 90,000 miles per hour, won't come within another star like our sun for 958,000 years. When you look at the night sky and you see all those pretty stars, It'll take 958,000 years for the Voyager 2 to get to another one like our sun. Isn't that amazing? And that is the Milky Way galaxy from the Hubble telescope. The Milky Way. That's where we live. The Milky Way. 
Don't know why they're all named after chocolates, but it's great. They're Milky Way. And that's where we are in our galaxy. We're not even at the center of our own galaxy. You see, we think we're the center of everything. But we're not. And you know that there are billions and billions of stars like our sun in our galaxy. And there are 200 billion galaxies in the known universe. And this week I saw on BBC, because I'm like that, that they discovered another one. Did you see that? And there was such shock. We've discovered another galaxy. Imagine God saying, oh, come on. It's been there for billions and billions of years. Catch up. They were so excited because it's five times bigger than the Milky Way. Milky Way. It's not very big. This is from the Hubble telescope. Those aren't stars. They're galaxies. Isn't that amazing? That's the Sombrero Galaxy, one of my favorites. That's a picture from the Hubble telescope. We, we imagine out there in space it's just black. It's not. Amazing. This one, they, can't, they call it the indescribable galaxy. They can't get a close enough picture of it. And I just see Jesus in it. The cross. The heart of God. What point am I making? God is big. And he knows your name. And he knows your heart. And he loves you. And he wants a relationship with you. I think that's a privilege. Isn't that amazing? That every time you pray, you're praying to this amazing God. And, and this is just displaying his splendor. The whole of heaven doesn't stand around shouting, Oh God, you're amazing for, for making the um, galaxies. They just say, Holy, holy, worthy are you. God is God. It is a privilege for us to come and turn to him in prayer. I was led to that tiny verse in Genesis. We have a wonderful picture there in Genesis of God walking. I just love that phrase. God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. It was the normal thing he did. He walked in the garden in the cool of the... You imagine him talking with, with Adam and Eve. But this day is different. God walks in the garden in the cool of the day. And he has to, he has to say, Where are you? And you know what? I believe God wants me to say that this morning to someone here this morning. God is saying, Where are you? I made you for me. I made you so you could know me. I made you so you could walk with me. Where are you? You don't talk to me anymore. He knew exactly where they were. They'd turned away from him. They'd swallowed the lie. And they felt shamed. Some of you are not talking to God because you feel ashamed. And God is saying, where are you? I made you for a relationship with me. 
It was broken there. Sin came into the world. But even in the next chapter, chapter 4 of Genesis, we have this tiny verse hidden away. We don't always see it, don't always recognize it. At that time, people began to call on the name of the Lord because they knew that they had lost something. They knew something was missing. And they began to call on the name of the Lord because they needed help. We're always on God's heart. Sin and stuff separates us from God. And sometimes we turn that relationship with God into a ritual and the prophets have to come and remind the people of God, as Micah did, that there's always a tendency to drift into ritual out of relationship. And God reminds the people of God, what I want from you is justice and mercy and for you to walk humbly with me. Just walk humbly with me. Jesus came to save us, to rescue us, to deal with the sin that separates us from himself, from his Father, from the Holy Spirit, to mend that broken relationship. So in a way that that is restored in that Genesis picture, that we can walk with God. Because our sins are gone. Jesus paid for them all. And we can have a restored relationship with God. This is basic stuff, isn't it? But this is the privilege of prayer. This year, as we walk together as a church, We want to press in for revival in prayer, but I also want us all individually to press in in our relationship with God. Maybe for some of us, we just have to begin again. But when we realize that God is moved toward us, he has compassion on us, And he's moved when we pray. And he hears and he responds. We may not always understand because we're not God. How can we understand God? We we can't even see the farthest parts of the universe. We make up theories and things to explain it all and declare it as fact. But we don't know. We trust God. And he calls us into a relationship with him. And it's so easy for us to get despondent about prayer. I know how how to make everyone in this church feel guilty. Just with a few sentences, I can make you feel guilty. I can ask a few questions. How important is prayer? And we'd all say, yeah, it's really important, Phil. How often do you pray? And you might say, I pray every day, Phil. And I'll say, how long do you pray for every day? And I'll be the first one that says, not long enough. Five minutes? I pray all the time, but they're just arrow prayers. Shoot them up. They're like kind of the emergency break glass prayer. You know, when you see those little boxes around you. There's one. Fire. In a case of an emergency, break glass, press here. And then it's got some strange... Oh, I don't know what that means, but... And sometimes we're like that in our prayers... We're we're trundling along and, oh gosh, 
I'm facing something, and then we run to break the glass. That's not prayer. It's not a relationship with God. He wants us to come, rediscover that delight, not a burden, but a pleasure. We read stories of the great saints who began every day in hours of heartfelt prayer. They are amazing people, men and women of God. George Muller imploring God to meet the needs of each day when he ran those orphanages around Bristol and God miraculously provided. He was praying for daily bread on a daily basis because of the need and the urgency. I do often when I pray through the Lord's Prayer as a pattern of prayer and get to daily bread, I think, I just have to say thank you because he's provided my daily bread every day. I have enough in my fridge to last me quite a while. Or other people like Bishop Andrews who, who said that he would start every day five hours a day in prayer and I think, oh. Or Charles Simeon who got up at four o'clock to allow four hours of prayer before he started the day. You know, if someone gets me up at four o'clock, they'd have to wake me up at eight o'clock. Again. God doesn't love you any more if you get up at four and pray for four hours. God doesn't love you any less if you have a sleep in till nine and then you're in a rush to get going. He doesn't love you any less. Where did we get this idea that if we pray more, God loves us more? Or if we do more, God loves us more? He can't love us anymore. He loves us completely. But he is saying, where are you? He wants us to walk together, do life together. Jesus' invitation was exactly that. Come and do life with me. Learn from me. Watch how I do it. And over the coming weeks, we'll be watching how Jesus does life in prayer. In Christian surveys, prayer ranks really highly on theoretical importance, but really low on actual satisfaction. Because somewhere along the way, we've lost the understanding that our children already have. The priceless gift of contact with God, we've made it into a religious duty. Let's return to the privilege. Or maybe we, just like the world in which we live, think we can get away without God these days. We don't need him anymore. Oh, we need him. Just take one night this week and watch the news and say, do we need God? We need desperately God and his kingdom to come. We can so easily fall into the cynicism of the worldview. What God, good does prayer do? The world's in a mess. Well, imagine a world without God. It's just hell. Nothing else. Jesus came to save the world, to rescue the world, to restore our relationship. Bill Hybels encourages me, he's a pastor who must be really busy, and he wrote a book, Too Busy Not to Pray. If you're busy, you're too busy not to pray. I know what it's like. We live in an age of instant things, email, text, 
When was the last time we wrote a letter? Except for me messing on my envelopes. We have a constant sensation there's not enough time. God says, where are you? But we are God's people. We're his family. We've been transformed by his love. We have been rescued. We have been saved. And prayer for us is like air. Prayer for us is like air. Without it, we, we, we can't breathe. Without it, we end up in the desert. Jesus calls us his friends. Let's rediscover that joy and that privilege of just walking every day with God. Over the weeks, we'll be looking at prayer of intercession. What does that mean and how do we do it? We'll be looking at different aspects of those things. But primarily, prayer is a means of relationship with God. It's the currency of that relationship, as it were. And like any relationship, it will have different aspects. And it will require discipline. Of course, it requires a bit of discipline. But any relationship does. Any relationship requires working at. You, we all know that. You have a husband or a wife or a girlfriend or a boyfriend or, or a friend. You need to work at that relationship. But what a privilege to keep company with God. And Jesus has made it possible for us. Yes, humbly. Oh, humbly, yes. He is our creator, our savior, our king, our Lord, but also our friend. He's the one who says, cast all your anxieties on me because I care for you. What a privilege to come and call on the name of the Lord anytime, anywhere. What a privilege to keep company with God who is always present, who is big enough to look after himself. I've had to let that one go. I get really defensive for God sometimes. And uh, he's just whispered, I'm big enough to look after myself. He looks after the universe. He keeps this planet going, spinning on its axis. Do you think we were clever enough to do that? He does it. Then he is able to care for us. New year, new starts. How about new walk with God? No guilt, no fear. If you've come here this morning feeling guilty about your prayer life, be encouraged. That's a step forward. God loves you. Just says, come walk with me this year. Come walk with me. It is a privilege to walk with God. So with that joy and delight in our hearts, whenever we awake or wherever we are, let's come running into the arms of God. In a sense, having that anticipation, I can't wait till I get to talk. Just pour out the stuff on my heart to God. To bring him all those things that I care about him. To him. Prayer is a declaration of our dependence upon God. And if you're here this morning and you're saying, well, I know all this and it's going really well, then 
Praise God. Praise God. Then go deeper. Go deeper. But if prayer has faltered, if it's become a duty, a bit of a chore sometimes, then turn around. New start. Privilege. Not a chore, but an invitation to relationship with God. For some, it just means a change in attitude to it. God loves it when we talk with him, when we share our lives with him, because it's what he made us for. Yes, we're praying for revival, and we will, and we'll press into that. But how can we pray for revival if we're not walking with God? We're just running to the emergency thing again. So be encouraged this morning. Find a space to talk with him today and tomorrow. Just get in that habit. I can tell you're all raring to go. It will transform everything. And if you ever get down about it, just come again. That's a good sign. Press in for more. If you're hiding from God this morning, God doesn't want you to hide. He knows where you are. Imagine if he's walking around saying, I wonder where Adam's got to. He knows exactly where Adam was. But he says, Adam, where are you? And I think he's saying that to some of us this morning. Where are you? Come back. Walk with me. Let's pray. We worship you.